Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. This is a day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You are now live with the Word on Wednesday, and I am Pastor Winfred Burns, and we are delighted to be with you. Tonight, tonight, we start our new series, The Crisis in Corinth. And what we hope to do is to show you what happened in this letter. We also want to show you that this letter is relevant for today. You know, sometimes we look at Paul's letters and we look at the New Testament and we look at the Bible in general and we say, oh, well, that doesn't apply to me, and we read it as a historical book, and we say that happened back then. But do you know that the principles that Paul was teaching, the situations that Paul was, was facing, are the same uh, principles that we can use today and the same situations that he faced back then, we face now. And so... We want you to we want you to get your Bibles out and we want to start out just by kind of giving you the some of the background information on the book and then we'll dive in. Now there are times when this study will go really slow and then there are times when we're really gonna be moving. Uh because it depends on how what where we are in it. And one of the things about Corinthians is most of the book is what I would call issues-based. What do you mean when you say issues-based? There are some specific issues that, we, that we'll be um, looking at. For example, uh, if I just wanted to just read down the list of issues, some of the issues that we'll face, we'll face uh, issues about division in the church. We're using worldly wisdom to good evening, everybody. We'll talk about um, using worldly wisdom to try to solve spiritual problems. We'll look at immorality. We'll look at the, what happens when you fail to implement the proper discipline in the church. We'll look at Christian liberty. We'll look at Paul's view of marriage. We'll look at church conduct. We'll look at sexual immorality. There'll be a number of issues that we address in the book of Corinthians. And then we'll also spend time examining the language of the book and what specific things actually meant. So let's start with a word of prayer like we always do, and then we're going to dive right into the book. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. God, once again, we start on a long journey in your word. We ask, O oh God, that just as you are always faithful as a teacher, that we will be faithful as students to your word. Not only just learning it and reading it, but in doing it, in applying it to our lives. 
in living out what you put in us. God, we need you to be our teacher. We need you to lead and guide us. We need you to prick our spirits. We need you to show us where we're right, to strengthen us, and show us where we're wrong. So we so, And then you tear those things down. God, make your word relevant to us today so we can know that it's more than just history. It's more than what happened to them. But instead, by your spirit, show us how it applies to us now. God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's start out with Corinth. What? Where is Corinth and what is it? Well, Corinth was one of the Roman cities, and it sits in modern-day Greece. And Corinth was a former Greek city, but they burned it down. The Romans burned it down to the ground because they were rebellious people. They, they fought against the Romans, and the Romans said, you know what, we've had enough of you. It was a very, very prosperous city because of its location. And Rome burned it down. Okay, so everything's back up now. Now, as I was saying, so Rome, uh, specifically Julius Caesar, rebuilds the city. He populates it with freedmen, soldiers, and tradesmen, and this city is owned and popping because of its location. It's located at the southern portion of Greek, Greece, and there is a canal that runs through that, that, that city. The canal allows them to uh, cut through, ships can cut through, can be, can be ferried across from one side to the other. It's not a canal, it's actually a railway, a primitive railway that allows them to do like I think it's about two miles across and they would lift, they would take a ship and they would pull it across by rail at, from one port on the um, east side of, of the, the peninsula and pull it across and deposit it to, on another port on the other side of the peninsula. This allowed them to avoid a long and dangerous trip around that horn that forms Greece. And so that shortcut would cut a lot of time off of, of the um, a lot of time off the journey to get goods from one side to another side. And that horn, all of the winds and stuff made that sailing around that thing dangerous. So this was a very, very efficient way to move goods, uh, to move commerce through this part of the world. It opened up the door to Asia. It opened up the, the door to Italy on the other side. So, you know, merchants loved it. Anytime you get that much merchandise moving through a place, it becomes populated with a whole bunch of different types of people. Uh, there was a whole lot of money being made there, and because of, of, of all the money that was made there, it was attractive to people because there were jobs. So what does that remind you of? 
doesn't that remind you? If I had to describe it in 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 a way that we could really understand it, it reminds us of maybe a place like New York or Chicago or Los Angeles, one of those big cities where you've got a lot of commerce flowing through it, and it's right on a body of water. So if you imagine the scene that we see in major metropolitan areas today, that's what you saw at Corinth. Another thing was Corinth was famous for its worship. Uh, they worshiped the god Aphrodite, and she was the goddess of sex. Um, they also worshiped uh, Poseidon, the god of the sea. There was also, Corinth was also famous because of the Ismuthan Games, and they're kind of like the Olympics, but, um, and they had these games every two years. So again, you got all of these people flowing into this city, making all of this money, and, you know, it was a very, very vile city. It was a very vile city. Why do you say that? Well, it was so much sex going on and so much and so many bad things, so many vices going on. There was venereal disease galore there. There was drinking and partying and prostitution. You name it, it was going on. And prostitution was a part of the temple worship of Aphrodite. They had a thousand paid prostitutes there. And so you got all of this mess going on. And the people, all of these races, all of these religions, you had Jews and Gentiles, all of this paganism going on there. And this was the place that God sent Paul. Now let's talk about Paul for a second. Paul's not coming to Corinth in his finest hour. As a matter of fact, when Paul gets to Corinth, the best way to describe Paul is he is busted, rusted, discouraged, and disgusted. Now, why do you say that? Well, let's go back. You know, you guys were with me in Acts. And I'm going to just read a little bit uh, uh, so we can catch up where, where he's at it in, at this stage of his journey. Now, he founds Corinth. He gets to Corinth doing his second missionary journey. So that's going to be right around chapter 18. Okay? What happens before he gets to Corinth? Well, remember that Paul had been called over into Macedonia. And so when he's called over into Macedonia, what does he do? He founds churches in Philippi. He founds churches in Thessalonica. He founds churches in Berea. And what happens in Philippi? In Philippi, remember that's the scene with the Philippian jailers? And then in Thessalonica, what happens in Thessalonica? They run him out of Thessalonica. He, he's in Berea. They get ready. They come chase him out of Berea. He goes to Athens. When he gets to Athens, what happens to him in Athens? Athens is the scene of a, his, his most horrible defeat. Remember his, his speech at Mars Hill to the unknown God and how they 
treated him so shabbily, how they don't receive the word of God, how they basically call him a seed picker. When he leaves Athens, this is one of his most unfruitful witnesses. And and they have really just called him a nobody, a nothing. And when he leaves, he's depressed. He's discouraged. He's been beaten. And he comes into Chicago being told that you ain't nothing, you ain't nobody, and this gospel that you preach is nothing but another philosophy. And so and, and on top of all that, he broke. He's broke. You have to remember that Paul, um, at certain times, he wasn't getting any gifts from uh, uh, Antioch, and he wasn't able to get any money from the people that he was ministering to. He had to work. And when he gets beyond Athens, he's broke, and he's coming into Corinth, and he's coming in there, and he sees all of this mess that's going on, and he's like, "Oh no, no, I can't. I don't. You know, if, if I couldn't make it in Athens, how am I going to make it here? It's like New York. If I can make it there, I can make it anywhere. I just came from this great place, Athens. I couldn't get anything done there. How am I going to minister in this place? And oh, I'm by myself, because remember, he sent his companions back." This is, you know, why are you taking so much time with this, Pastor? I'm taking so much time with this so you can see what is going on with Paul as we get ready to go into this long study. And that's so important that we know this. And here, let's, at Acts chapter 18, it says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. So Claudius had run the Jews out of Rome because they, they were being blamed for causing so many problems. And we think that what was going on was they, the Christians and the Jews were having problems because of you know, um, what was going on with the Christians saying that Jesus was Lord and the Jews saying, oh, no, we ain't having none of it. So there was all of this dispute, and Claudius said, you know what? I know how we could deal with all of it. All of y'all get out of here. And so Priscilla and Aquila, who, are, who have businesses not only in, uh, in, in Rome, but also have branches in Corinth as well as Ephesus, leave Rome, and they come to Corinth, and there Paul meets up with them, and they give Paul a job because Paul becomes a tent maker. That was their business, a tent. So he hooks up with them, okay? And he said, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews, and I'm reading from Acts chapter 18, by the way, had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. So this is the beginning. This is the beginning now of Paul's witness in Corinth. And he's going to stay there for a while. 
as he witnesses to them. He leaves Corinth. He goes to Ephesus. He leaves Ephesus because he travels to Ephesus after his Corinthian adventure and planting that Corinthian church. He travels to Ephesus with uh, Priscilla and Aquila. He leaves Ephesus because he has some business that he has to handle in Jerusalem. He handles his business in Jerusalem, and he comes back to Ephesus. When he gets back to Ephesus, he's going to stay in Ephesus for about three years. During that time, during that time, that's when the letter to the to Corinth is written. Now, one other thing before we go into there. We go into here because um, Paul gets a, a letter from Corinth describing the trouble that he had that's going on there, and it disturbs him. Now, one of the things, and I'm not going to go into it too deep, but i I got to mention it. Theologians and researchers believe that 1 Corinthians is not Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. They actually think it's the second letter to the Corinthians. And the first letter was a very, very harsh letter, and it caused a lot of problems because they didn't receive it the right way. What did the letter say? We don't know. And rather than spend a lot of time speculating, what I choose to do is say it they think it was there. I don't I've never seen it. I you know, I've read some stuff about it, but I'm not going to deal with what I don't know. Instead, what I, we will deal with is what we do know. And what we do know is that Paul then gets a letter, and he has to respond to what he has heard and what he has received, because he's getting these reports that back in Corinth, all hell is breaking loose. And when you think about it, if you put a lot of babies, if you leave a lot of babies on their own to raise themselves, what do you think you're going to get? If you take Jews and Gentiles, and not just any Gentiles, but Gentiles who are from different cultures in a place filled with vices who begin to call on the name of the Lord, do you think that immediately because they got saved that they lost all their bad habits? Don't you think that they came into this thing with a different perspective? I mean, this one guy might have been a worshiper of Aphrodite. This other guy might be a worshiper of Poseidon. This one guy might be from uh, a Persian. This other guy might be a Greek. This one guy might be a Roman. They have all kinds of different views all kinds of different backgrounds, all kinds of preconceived notions, the only thing that they have in common is that they're saved. What do you think is going to happen? And they're babies. They're babes in Christ. And the person that got them, that led them to Christ, is no longer there. So they're being led by the Spirit and attacked by the devil. Everybody see where I'm going with this now? 
Do you see why I'm taking the time to lay this easy groundwork so you can see from the perspective of the people? And you say, well, I can't see it. Well, then you ain't never been in a church. And that should explain to you why the conditions of our church are like they are today. Because you have people from all kinds of different backgrounds. You have people from all kinds of different ethnicities. You have people with all kinds of preconceived notions of what it's like, what, what it means once you're saved, what God will do, what God won't do. You have people that come around and say and think that God say you make one step and I'll make two is actual scripture. Find it in the Bible for me. No. But back in the, I think it was back in the late 70s, early 80s, woo, we used to jam. That. God say you make one step, I'll make two. We was rocking to that. And there's nowhere in the Bible where he said, you got to make a step and then I'm going to make two steps. But yet, that was a part of our culture. That was our, a part of our scriptural understanding or non-scriptural understanding. And so it's into this environment that he went and he witnessed. And it's this environment that's festering all around. And so we'll come up, we'll, 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 we'll run into a bunch of problems. As a matter of fact, with this Bible study, what will happen is that it will be an issues-oriented Bible study. So from week to week, we'll actually be examining the issue that Paul is addressing. That's the way the book is broken up. And so we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Because imagine when we get to, you know, okay, so should we get married or shouldn't we get married? What's Paul's view? What's the, what's the scripture saying about that? What you do with your wife if, you know, she ain't acting right? What you do with your, I mean, since my wife is on there, I better say it a different way. What can she do with me if I ain't acting right? We're going to examine those things. What about relationships within the church? What about immorality? What is constituted immorality? What can I do and what can't I do? We'll get into all of that. So tonight, let's just briefly, i got about seven minutes left, and I want to get just through maybe two or three verses. Because that's all we could do. And that's all I plan to do tonight is just a couple of verses just to kind of wet our whistle a little bit with this. And I'll, I'll even explain a little bit why he's writing what he's writing. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. And I think I'm going to try to get through the first three verses. That's about it. How's that? The greeting. Just the greeting tonight. It says, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just those three verses, I could preach on those for I don't know how long, but I'm just going to tell you what he just says. He says, Paul called 
as an apostle. When we look at the writer, he identifies himself from the beginning, and then he says, I've been called. And what that word kletos means is, I was summoned by God to this office of apostleship. Now, an apostle is a messenger, one who has been sent on a mission. So when he says, Paul called an apostle, he says, he's, what he's saying is, I have, was summoned by God to be a messenger and sent on a mission of Jesus Christ. I was sent on a mission by the one who has the anointing by, and then he goes on to say, by the will of God, by the plan of God. This is, it was God's plan to summon me and send me with his message to you. And then he says, to, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church. Now, this is a word that, that sometimes we just take for granted. But do you know what he says when he says, he's, I've been summoned and I am sending this letter to the church? The church, the ecclesia, a group of people who have been called out from the world and to come to God to be joined together. So if you are a member of the universal church of Christ, you are the ecclesia, you are the one who have you are the ones who have been called out of the world. You are the ones that were not only called out from the world, but who responded to the call of God. You see, so when he's writing this, he's going to write this to the ecclesia at Corinth. He's writing it to those who have been sanctified, those who were called out from the world and who answered God's summons, who are at Corinth, who, are become, who have become a part of the universal body of Christ and who have been sanctified, set apart as holy to God. You see, when we read that, we don't realize all that he is saying there. Sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints, believers who are holy, believers who have taken on the likeness of God, different from the world, the temple of God. So, again, go back just for a second. I got two minutes. See, I, I, I told you I wasn't going to get through those three verses. Sent by calling with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord. Right, that's, the last, that's, the, that's as far as I'm going to get tonight. Saints who appeal to the name. Now, the name of the Lord or the name of Christ. So basically, when you say you call upon a name, you recognize the authority of God. And you depend upon his authority for your orders. 
So go back to the phrase again. Those who, the ecclesia, the called out ones who responded to the call, who have been declared, set apart as holy to God, called saints, who now call upon or appeal to the name of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, who who authorizes them, who empowers them, who directs them, who the direction that flows from his presence. Hmm. Well, so how far did we actually get tonight? We got through verses 1 and 2. It's as far as I can get tonight. I'm out of time. Um, For those of you who have any questions, start typing the questions on the screen. To those of you who are on um, Blog Talk Radio, you can call me now at uh, 929-477-2304, 929-477-2304. What I need you to do is type your questions in if you have any. Um, If you don't have any questions while I'm praying, then after we finish praying, we'll call it a night because I promise we're going to go 30 minutes. Next week, we'll cover a lot more ground, but tonight it was necessary just to set everything up, just to set everything up, to build a firm foundation to teach from. For those of you who came on late, what I'd ask you to do is once this repost, then uh, I want you to look at it and get the information from the beginning because in your study, just from the ground that we laid earlier, you are going to be able to really get some meat out of this. And on top of everything else, um, you'll be prepared for next week because next week we got some stuff to teach. Because when we get to begin to talk about um, calling on his name and, and he extends grace and peace, that's so rich. That is so rich and it's so necessary, especially to this group of people who he's writing to who are, who are mad at him. They're mad at him right now. So let me just let me just say let me let's pray and then we'll, I'll, if there's any questions we'll go from there. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. God, we thank you that you show us the way, that you tell us to take our time and do it right. And Lord, I just so want to just bite into this book real fast and and get to it. But I thank you that you instructed us to chew and chew slow and get all of what you have. So we pray that you would make us diligent in our studies. We pray, O oh God, that you would make us patient, that we would get the whole counsel of God at all times, that we would follow hard after you as you lead and guide us. I pray that you would bless the minds and the hearts of those who will study along with us. We pray, O oh God, that they would then uh, ingest what you've given us and that we would all live lives that are pleasing to you as we learn what to do in a variety of situations. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Are there any questions? Going once. Going twice. No questions from our Blog Talk listeners. Okay, then that's it for tonight. I ask that you would share this video when it comes out. Let somebody else know that, you know, hey, that, they, that, we're te- that we're now back in Corinthians 
And then I want all of you guys to just have a wonderful, wonderful week. And the last thing I want you to do is I want you to make sure that you go out and vote. Go vote. Go vote. Amen? So, anyway, uh, have a wonderful, wonderful evening. I'll see you next Wednesday, and we will pick up at verse 3, chapter 1. Be blessed and have a wonderful evening.